Father, again, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you so much for all that you have uh, accomplished in our life and during our worship time today. And now we turn to you because we would like to hear uh, a word from heaven, Lord, uh, that will speak to our life, Lord God, or uh, something that you need to correct or an encouragement that we need to bring to others, Lord. Uh, so therefore, Father, we ask you uh, that we would be attentive, uh, that we would be uh, ready to uh, not only chew upon, but also to digest uh, every morsel uh, that is poured down from heaven uh, right into our spirits today, Lord God. Uh, so Father, we ask you that you would uh, just plow up the fallow ground. We ask you uh, that you would uh, take your seed, Lord God, and plant it, uh, that it would begin to sprout roots, Lord God, and roots that will go deep inside of us. Because we are your children, Father. Have your way with us today. We love you, we thank you, and we honor you. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a woman, her name is, we'll call her LaDonna. She uh, is part of a family that has worked for a couple of generations uh, for the airline or some airline or the airport in uh, New York City. I believe her mother used to clean airport, the airport grounds and brothers used to do baggage claims, uh, this, that, and the other. Uh, so she also was uh, quite fascinated with uh, how things work in that little bitty city, as you can possibly imagine. Uh, so she wound up get, uh, getting a job at TSA. And uh, as she was working for TSA, she thought that maybe there was also uh, greener grass on the other side of the airport, so she ended up working for a security firm uh, that uh, not only uh, secured the grounds of the airport in New York, but all over the United States. Uh, so she was very happy to get this job, and uh, she received a job uh, working on uh, the tarmac. And there on the tarmac, uh, she would sit uh, in, in these booths where they would uh, manage traffic, uh, any type of, uh, any people, any vehicle that would even approach the area, that was her responsibility. Uh, that she had uh, different uh, uh, machinery that would check for bombs and check IDs and so on and so forth. And again, this is away from where uh, the customers, the, uh, the passengers typically are, but on the grounds of the airport. So she was, as you can imagine, very happy to get this job. So stationed throughout the airport, uh, she says that there's, very, uh, there's various booths that you know, these agents would actually sit in, not TSA, uh, but another security firm that they would sit in these booths and watch the areas and sit for hours oftentimes. And, uh, uh, but she found herself uh, in, in a place where uh, her supervisors, and they were typically supervised through video in the booths. These videos would uh, look at the security personnel in the booths to see what they were doing. And if they could not see them in that area, they would ask them to move a certain direction so they could see them. So one supervisor uh, he had said something to her. Eventually, he paid her a visit, and he went and saw her. And he says, okay, he went to the booth, and he pulled out his, his camera phone and says, okay, I need for you to open up your jacket because I need to take a picture of you. So she says, what? Uh, he says, I need to take a picture of you. 
she says, but uh, why do you need to take a picture of me? She said, he said, because his policy says, well, I'm familiar with policy, and if you need to take a picture of me, it needs to be with, with, my, with my jacket closed and my clothes on. He says, no, open up your jacket so I can take a picture of you. So uh, she says, I'm not doing any such thing. So eventually, uh, that supervisor, uh, because of her stands, that uh, what she uh, ended up uh, what she ended up experiencing was uh, retribution from that person. So they had to sit in that booth, else they would be fired, if you can possibly imagine, uh, until they were relieved. So when she would tell her supervisor, the same person, that, you know, you know uh, it's time for me to take a break. Do you realize that sometimes he would not respond to her for four hours? And she says sometimes she would sit in that area about 12 hours before she would get a response from someone. So she's working in this environment, and eventually uh, someone outside of the organization, they were, they were watching her, and they discovered that, you know, she's a hard worker. Why don't you all promote her? So they pr promoted her to supervisor. And there, uh, in this booth, she was manning these cameras and so on and so forth, and she found out there were several uh, supervisors there, uh, what they would do. And basically, if uh, the employee did not respond appropriately to the supervisor, basically they would give them a hard time, not allowing them to go to the restrooms, right? because they would be in really big trouble if they left their post. So she began to uh, file complaints. So therefore, she went to the supervisor of the supervisor. So she goes to visit him, and she walks in his office, and before she says a word, he says, hey, how are you doing? Uh, come look at this. So he was on his computer. She walks around to his computer and discovers uh, that, you know, it's, uh, it's people having relations. This is the supervisor of the supervisor. So now uh, she says, what are you doing showing him this? Now she's getting mad, and now she's stuck between a rock and a hard place because who do you go to now? So now she's trying to figure out, why am I here? Why am I here in the first place? Because this doesn't make any sense. I'm being harassed from every direction possible. And I thought that me, by being a supervisor, that I would at least have some empathy from someone else, but now uh, it's not even possible. Today we're going to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 1. And we already know, uh, based on our series that we started last week, that in Philippians, that, that Paul, he found himself in prison. And if you are a lover of Jesus Christ and you find yourself in this harsh environment, uh, does it even make sense? Do, does your life really have purpose? Imagine, uh, you may not be in prison, but you may be grinding away day after day after day on a job where people don't respect you, or people that are after you. Look, I've been there and I've done that. So I'm not uh, speaking this uh, uh, 
from no knowledge. I've been there. But today we're going to look at Paul. We're going to look at what he had to go through and the reasons for the hardship that he had to experience. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is all the Philippians, those believers that are in Philippi, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So the gospel is making headway. It continues to move forward. So now Paul, he is informing the Philippians about his status. You know, after his prayers that we uh, heard uh, last week, he informs the saints, okay, I need for you to know how my life is going sitting here in prison. Right? But what he does is he doesn't begin to focus on himself, right? Uh, because you know how it is uh, sometimes, and, and I'm that way, I must admit, uh, sometimes when you're tired, you just say you're tired. Amen? Uh, sometimes when you're not feeling good, you say, I'm not feeling good. Uh, sometimes when you're sick of this, you say, I'm sick of this, right? Uh, that's just the way it is in life. But Paul, he begins this passage by not focusing on himself. He begins by doing what? By focusing on the gospel. He says that what has happened to me, and you know what has happened to me, it has happened to me because of the gospel. He doesn't mention whether or not if they roughed him up in prison. And neither does Paul focus on his health. What is first and foremost on his mind is Jesus Christ. And how are we able to get the message of the gospel out there? You know, uh, confusion often spreads among God's people when things don't go as expected. Right? Because we often say that I am blessed. How are you doing? We say, what? I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Right? Haven't you heard that before over and over again? How are you doing? Oh, I'm just blessed. If your name happened to be blessed, then you got a good reason to say I'm blessed. Right? Amen? But if your name is not blessed, then... Uh, Saying I'm blessed all the time may not reflect the reality of the struggles of your situation. <laughs> we especially are familiar, especially us contemporary Christians. And we love uh, reciting verses like that we find in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul says that I can do all things through Christ that does what? Strengthens me or gives me the strength. Isn't that something? 
That verse comes right out of Philippians where Paul finds himself in prison. Well, Paul, if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then why are you still stuck in prison? Right? What about what Jesus preached directly to his disciples when he says in John 15, 7, he says that if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Right? So if you, again, are a successful Christian, and if you know there's no door big enough, there's no door hard enough, there's no door shut enough that you can't get through, because number one, you can do all things through Christ strengthens you and number two I can ask that God will open that door and God is going to open that door but John also goes on to say in 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 the apostle John also adds this little ditty to ask whatever you want if you abide in him and that is if you ask according to what Let's try it again. It says, what if you ask according to his, his will? Right? And if he so desires, then it shall be done to you. So that door may be big, and you may ask, you may seek, you may knock, right? You can do all things through Christ, but that still doesn't mean that door is going to come flinging wide open. Amen? So in your life, if you're struggling on that job, right, like the lady that I cited earlier, and she's trying to figure out you know, why these men are, are so vile and why they're giving her a hard time. Uh, maybe she's a Christian, I don't know. Uh, but if she were, I can imagine saying, Lord, I need for you to deliver me. I need for you to move them out the way. But every time she takes a step forward, she begins to understand more deeply why uh, the area is so poisoned. But I thought I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, you're right. If you believe the contemporary thinking that says that you can do anything, that any door will come flung, uh, flinging wide open because you can recite a few verses, then you may not be theologically or biblically correct. Because if that's true, that means you can pray for safety when you get on the road and nothing ever happens to you. I recall uh, uh, a friend of mine many years ago when I was in college, an older lady, she loved the Lord. Her whole family, her, 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 her husband was a preacher. And it devastated. I really, I, I loved her. I knew her, 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 her children. I'd gone to school with both of her children. One was a musician, musician the other one was not. And I just, I, I loved the entire family. But I remember one day somebody came and told me that she was driving on I-80 uh, one day and a drunk driver came driving the opposite direction the wrong way on I-80 and ran right into her. And I knew, if you know this lady, you know, she's one of those ladies that come from the uh, faith tradition, that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? And which they pray uh, everything, and we should pray, should we not? 
So I know that she would also pray for her journey, uh, but yet somehow uh, she did not have a safe journey. What is God's will? What is God's will for your life? Well, I'm going to be president of the United States when I grow up, or will you now? You can do anything? Well, that may not be God's will for you. I think, however, we fail to take into account the sovereign will of God and us living according to that will. We never take these things into account. Shoot, when I graduated uh, uh, with my undergrad degree, uh, never in a million years did I ever think that on Sundays that this is what I'd be doing. Never. I saw it happen over and over again. It's, uh, you know, God has a sense of humor. He really does. Because God, he put me, he put me in church where I was a, a church musician. Right? I wouldn't go to church I just, I, I wouldn't go to church. And God said, okay, I know how to get you in church. Right? I became a church musician. Right? So I was a church musician. And then I was at church, not only one time, but sometimes two, well, most all the time in church, twice on Sunday, and oftentimes three times on Sunday. So never in my wildest imagination did I think that what I was doing before was preparing me for what I'm doing now. So when you think about God's will, keep your mind open. So when we look at the ministry of Paul, our expectations about how the gospel should spread, uh, it, it could be totally dashed because he, here's an apostle with, uh, uh, with power and through the Spirit of God, that how they saw uh, demons cast out through the power of God. Uh, they saw all of this, but now Paul is in prison the genesis of his conversion through the zenith of his journeys in Asia, Macedonia, and other places, Paul was predestined to take the gospel to the leaders of the world. So why was he in prison? Because he was predestined to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. Now you may be saying to yourself, so you mean to say that maybe some of the hard times I'm experiencing in school, on my job, maybe even my marriage, maybe it's because of the gospel? Maybe the, the, the pains that I'm suffering in my body may be due to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Paul, it was prophesied that he would do this one day in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen, this is Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You see? So, so, so God had predestined Paul to be a chosen vessel to carry the gospel to all these entities. This is where uh, Paul would find his ministry. Uh, so uh, 
if God had given him this ministry, why was he sitting in prison? It makes no sense. Right? God tells you to go. I remember I, I went on a missionary trip to Mexico one time. And I, you know, they, they said, uh, you know, we're going to Mexico to this trip. We want you to go with us. I said, yes, I'll go. You know, somehow the money showed up and I went. That was the end of that story. But imagine getting your monies together to go on the missionary trip, and then you go, and you end up in jail. Now, I, now not for no stupid stuff now, okay? Because you know sometimes folks can get involved in stupid stuff. Right? I'm not talking about stupid stuff. I'm just talking about because of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you end up in prison. I can hear some people saying, see, you weren't even anointed of God to begin with. Because had you been anointed of God, you would never end up in prison. I can hear some people saying of Paul, he was probably not anointed, and that's why he was in prison. But Paul tells us plainly that the advancement of the gospel was partially due to him being imprisoned. Are you ready to be imprisoned on your job? Are you ready to be in jail on your job for the gospel. You know, I have to admit to you, you know, one job I had, the Lord knows I felt like I was in jail. It was, it was, it was tough. But the Lord delivered me, and here I am today. Amen? Some of us know the story of Paul. But what if you didn't know his story? What if you only knew that he was destined to take the gospel all over the world and he ended up in prison? Again, we would begin to think that maybe God was against him. He's not of the Lord. So when we think of what success looks like, it's important to keep our minds open because the journey God chooses for you may be the path least traveled. It is least travel because the average person would not bother uh, with uh, the incessant uh, threats of danger, of doubts, of failure, hostilities that have plagued greater people than yourself who seem better equipped. It is the road, the road least traveled because we choose a path that is smooth. Right? Uh, we choose the path that is illuminated with uh, uh, LED lights along the way and security cameras. And the moment that we trip on some imperfection in the pavement, we hit our button and the police comes running to us. You see? It is least travel because there's only room for us and there's no room for a traveling companion. There's no room for the massive amount of baggage that could collar us when times get tough. The road God chooses is not the road for the faint of heart. That road, brothers and sisters, doesn't always look like progress, so we avoid it at all costs. So Paul says, the believers that you know why this has happened to me, God has taken me down this road of least, that is least traveled, and that road to spreading the gospel was imprisonment. <laughs> Who in their right mind would use jail time in a recruitment video for a gospel team? 
Hey, I'm going on a missionary journey, y'all. I'm going to show you a video here of the last missionary journey that I went on. And, uh, and by the way, I happen to be in prison. But I want you to go with me when I go next time, okay? Some contemporary Christians have been fooled into thinking the Christian life is full of success with no possibility of a downturn if their faith remains intact. This is not always the case, and neither is always the case that we will be downtrodden either. It has to do with the will of God for you and the will of God for me. But we should be focused on the message of Christ and our relationship with Him. This is why Paul was so quickly able to couch his imprisonment in terms of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I am in jail, but I need for you to look not at my imprisonment uh, so much uh, versus looking at how the gospel is moving forward. I mean, look at what he says there. Uh, verse 12, verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that what? My imprisonment is why? For, all right, let's try it again. He says, my imprisonment is why? For, for Christ. So everybody knew why he was in jail. He could have shouted, I don't deserve this. He could have shouted, why am I here, God? Doesn't make sense. The longer we complain, the longer we end up in the prison of character building. While God is working things out for the message of Christ, he is also working things out for our spiritual growth. Did you know that? That sometimes God, he used that uh, to en- one to engage the other. That he grows you uh, through uh, some of the struggles that you have. Again, the reason for that imprisonment was the gospel. So it was a, a positive impact, right? Uh, that it all happened on, on folks. Uh, verse 14, as we, we're going to read now, it says that, uh, Paul says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So uh, the first reason that we found out is that uh, for the advancement of the gospel was because uh, the, the gospel, or Jesus Christ, was spoken amongst the Roman guard, the imperial guard. The second reason he says is because those believers who were on the fence and who were scared to talk about Jesus, now all of a sudden, they were bold in talking about Jesus. So the gospel spreads even with many impediments. When the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to spread, even through many obstacles, it can have a positive effect on believers. Right? So how can your difficult circumstances, uh, whether it be for the gospel or whether it be for some other reason as a believer of God, have a positive impact on us or someone else? Now you have heard about praying according to the will of God, right? And God cannot deny himself by refusing to answer your prayer when you 
pray according to his will. Remember we talked about Acts chapter 16 verse 9 last time. And it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, so again, uh, this was uh, the genesis, the beginning of Paul's ministry, leading him all the way to Caesar. During that time, the Holy Spirit res restricted where Paul could minister. And he did not fight the limitations, but he worked with what he had. So Paul, he began to minister in Macedonia. We should expect nothing less than success regarding where one ends up, even if it's prison, when we move and minister according to God's will. Uh, because prison can't stop the will of God. Your limited finances cannot stop the will of God. Your restricted health issues cannot stop the will of God. Your lack of a degree cannot stop God's will. Uh, you not having a car, you not having a home cannot stop the will of God. Uh, nothing can stop uh, the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Nothing. If there are limitations, move around it to see where God wants to take you. So a Roman or an Ephesian Prison couldn't stop Paul moving the gospel. And neither could a king or Caesar have the power over Paul as he operates according to God's will. Now consider your life and what you do for God's kingdom. So I know that uh, many of us have many different occupations in our life, but know that, uh, or ask yourself the question, how does God want to use that for the advancement of the gospel? How does God want to use your schooling? How does God want to use your job? But, you know, wait a minute, I, I, I'm only a garbage man, but that's okay too, right? Because somehow God may want to use that for the movement or the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ, somehow, some way. It's up to you to figure out. Because even Paul himself, if you don't know this about him, that uh, he used to make tents. That was one of his, that was one of his, uh, uh, his jobs because he did not want to be a, a burden on uh, the various ministries that he started and that he traveled all over the place. He says, no, don't send your money this way because when I go to X, Y, and Z, when I go to Macedonia, when I go to Asia, uh, wherever I go, then I'm going to raise my own money by making my own tents. He had no pension plan. Paul had no Roth IRA. He had no Medicaid, no Medicare. He didn't have Social Security. But one thing that he did have was what? He had Jesus Christ. He relied solely on God, and God allowed him to use his skills as a tent maker to take care of himself. But obviously, the Lord blessed him that tent making so uh, that he could have these extensive travels. Moving on, uh, verses, uh, starting in verse 15, uh, there are two proclaimers of the gospel mentioned in this letter. Uh, there are the uh, real proclaimers of the gospel, and there are the fake proclaimers of the gospel. Verse 15, Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Uh, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that, and in that I rejoice, he says. Yes, I will rejoice. What? That's what I said when I first read that. What? I, didn't, I don't know about you, I didn't say amen. Right? Because he says, he says some proclaim Christ out of love, others do it out of envy and rivalry. I didn't say, I'm like, what? And then he says, uh, regardless of what it is, he says, I rejoice. What? How can you rejoice in someone who's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, number one, that don't even mean it to start with, and then number two, they're in it for other reasons like money. Someone once said that, you know, if you want to get your church full, you need to really try to stay away as much from the word of God as possible. Right here in this area where we, or right here in the Chicagoland area, this is what they said. You want to fill that church up? Then you need to start getting away from preaching so much of the Jesus stuff and preaching that word of God. You, if you really want to fill it up, in other words, they're saying, do you really believe that? So some proclaimed Christ out of envy and rivalry. In other words, they were jealous while others preached uh, because they had a bone to pick with Paul. Uh, Acts chapter 8, 819 is just an example. Here, the apostles Peter and John, as they faced the magician Simon, who wanted to purchase the power that they had of the Holy Spirit. What does it say here in verse 18? It says here, Acts 8, 18, now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, oh, look here. Right? I, I can hear him saying, you know, some of these folks that I run into sometimes, look here, uh, look, look here, bro. Uh, if I give you a little money, uh, uh, can I uh, get what you got? I ain't got much, but what I do have, you know, can I get what you got, Right? Give me this power also so that uh, anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> wow, who wants that magical power? To whom much is given, much is required. Simon didn't know that he was heading down a path that was meant for his own destruction by saying that. And then, uh, there are others who wanted to proclaim Jesus in order to sow confusion, selfish ambition, and even mock Paul. You know, one of the best ways to bring disunity and destruction in the body of Christ is not always through the opposite of what, uh, of what we preach. Did you know that? It's easy to recognize false teaching like saying Jesus Christ is not God. That's easy. It's easy to identify deceptive preaching that says Jesus uh, only came to make people wealthy. That's easy. When false teachers present most elements of Jesus' life and purpose and then add things like everyone on earth will be saved or you don't need a preacher or a teacher in the faith, then the well is poisoned. You begin to believe that. 
Some say that, and I know some listening to me, well, I can just listen to you and I don't need to go to church. Uh, you, you know, praise of the Lord that you listen to me, that you listen to the word of God, but yes, you need to go to church. Sonia, she's uh, formerly a Muslim from India. She tells a story of conversion that uh, she had a vision of Jesus Christ telling her, a, a voice telling her to pray. Thinking that she had, had gone crazy, she began asking, well, who is this saying that I need to pray? She's a Muslim. Hearing this voice, I need to pray. And then she says, well, okay, if there is a God, then I want to see God. Now I quote. Near my table, I saw one person was standing, a huge, tall person, but I could not see his face. His face was bright, very bright. The garment itself was very bright. I knew it was a person, but I could not see the face. I knew instantly, I knew instantly that it was Jesus. Then she says, now he didn't say, uh, hey, uh, ta-da, here I am, I'm Jesus. She said, he didn't say I'm Jesus. Nothing. And then she says this, and I am quoting. The next moment, I was on my knees. I just fell down. I was sobbing. I was crying and crying. And again, I'm quoting this. I'm not adding any of this. I was sobbing and crying and crying and crying and crying because I felt dirty. I felt so poor inside of me. You see, since she says, I came from a rich family, I never lacked anything, but that day I felt very poor. She went on. I do not know who you are, she says, but Jesus. And she says this, I need you. I know I need you in my life because I am very poor and I cannot handle it. I need you. When we think about right, uh, how people, end quote, by the way, uh, when we think about how people get saved, right, there's various ways. Remember, you say, well, I'm not sure if that's really true, but what about Paul? Did not Paul have a vision of Christ? How, was, how, was Paul, how did Paul come to Jesus Christ? Does someone come to him and say, uh, I have these four spiritual laws that you need to know. Uh, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that Paul, that if you don't come to Jesus, you're going to hell today in a handbasket. Uh -uh. He was riding on his high horse, and literally he was riding on a high horse. Right? And he had an encounter with whom? Now, okay, all right, so... Is that normative, right? Does God always use a vision of Jesus Christ to bring us to Christ? And the answer is what? 
No, it's not normal. But does it happen? The answer is yes, it does happen. Someone tells you that, or you may not know, just say praise the Lord as long as you know Jesus, right? Right? Don't say, well, well how do you know it was Jesus? Well, how do you know, right, if they, if they say Jesus Christ is Lord and he died for my sins and I repented of my sins and I lived for him and so on and so forth, then you say amen, right, and leave it alone. But the next thing that Sonia did, who had this vision, you know the next thing that she did? She found a church. She didn't say, I'm just going to stay out here and just wait for Jesus to show up and teach me everywhere and everything I need to know. How does she know? Have you heard of something called the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit would open those doors to lead her to a place. And she happened, of all things, she happened to end up at an African church in India. And by the way, did you not know there's Africans all over the world? Especially in the, black, in the back here. They're all over the world. All over the world. All over the world. In India. Yes, there are. And I'm not, talk, and I'm not talking about people that kind of, well, are they Indian? Are they African? What are No, you look at them. Oh, yeah, they from Africa. They, they, they find their generations from Africa. Oh, yeah. Right? So she found herself a church. So uh, the idea that I don't need church. I don't need to go to church. That is a lie that contradicts the word of God. Paul was in prison in the first place because some Jewish leaders accused him of teaching religious issues contrary to the law. But that simply was not the case. So we thank God that there are believers who preach Christ out of love, uh, watching and listening and reading the news, you would think otherwise, that there are no good preachers, there are no good teachers of the gospel that remain on the earth. That's what we would think. Because all we hear is bad news after bad news. Uh, we've heard uh, issues concerning the Catholic Church, now issues concerning uh, the Southern Baptists. And we pray for all of them. But we pray for all of sin. Because all in this world have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The bottom line is that Paul says that whether it's pretense or in truth, whether you are faking it or whether you're telling the truth, the bottom line, you're talking about Jesus and he's being glorified, therefore I find joy and in that I can rejoice. Chapter 1, verse 17 of Philippians the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Therefore, Paul said, yeah, I'm sitting in prison, but I can relax because it's on the Holy Spirit, because he knows that Jesus is at the helm of the gospel ship. Jesus uses us, but is not solely dependent upon us as individuals to get his message in the world. But why, while we live and move and have our own being, that we must be about the business of the gospel, the business of Jesus Christ. We come here together. 
to get strengthened, to get our boldness in the Lord. And I tell you as well that we must get the gospel out there by all means. If we get the gospel out there through basketball camp, we say amen. If we get the gospel out there through a scholarship ministry, we say what? Amen. If we get the gospel out there by giving blood, we say what? Amen. If we get the gospel out there by having a gathering for our women, we say what? Amen. Right? By all means, the gospel is moving forward. It is moving forward through you. It's moving forward through me. It's moving forward through the body of Christ as we are in partnership with Jesus Christ for His good news. For that, we can rejoice and we say the gospel by any means. We say the gospel what? By any means. We say the gospel by? The gospel by? The gospel by any means. We will be faithful. Faithful to the very end. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we have been encouraged by what we heard today. We ask You that You would continue to move that you would continue to groove in our spirits with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. So we come before you today humbly, humbly, Lord God, asking you to align us 